Welcome to Wise Up Governance and Boards podcast, brought to you by Three Wise Owls Governance Consultants. Covering hot topics in governance, risk, latest regulatory changes, and issues keeping directors and executives awake at night. Here are your hosts, Ainsley Cunningham and Deb Anderson. Welcome to another episode of Wise Up. Today we're joined by Theodore Verectaris. Theodore is the founder and sole owner of the Taris Property Group and the Usher Group. The Usher Group started out as a humble small painting business on the Gold Coast. Almost two decades on, the Usher Group is recognised as one of the construction and trade industry's most recognisable businesses. Painting is still at the heart of what the Usher Group does. Yet today, the company works across nine different service areas, included, including solid plastering, signage, property maintenance, swinging stage and mast climber access solutions, electrical, refrigeration and mechanical landscaping and labour hire. With such an expansive collection of services at Usher Group, their strongest belief is that they establish themselves as their client's project partner, reflecting the quality of service that they strive to sustain and deliver. As a family-owned company, Theodore Verectaris is most proud of the Usher Group family, their 500-plus strong team of exceptionally highly skilled individuals specially selected for their passion, work ethic and shared commitment to delivering a high standard of work for their clients. The Usher Group has been recognised over years with countless awards for business, training and innovation and was last year named Gold Coast 2019 Supreme Winner Business of the Year at the Gold Coast Business Excellence Awards. Usher Group have also recently won the monthly award for October 2020. Well done, Theo. Welcome. Cheers. Thanks for having me. Wow. After hearing that, it just gets me a bit emotional. <laughs> wow. It's, um, yeah, it's really good to sometimes. An amazing journey. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about Theo and the journey that's taken you to get here. Okay. The journey. Um, how far back are we going? <laughs> um, so Start look, back at one. Yeah. Okay. So um, Architecture. Oh. <laughs> when I uh, studied architecture and... Uh, did my one year in a in a firm and then uh, found myself not enjoying the um, day to day in an office and then um, yeah went out there and started a business yeah that was pretty cool but um, yeah so going way back I've um, yeah like you said Ainsley I've got um, humble beginnings and I grew up in a um, housing commission um, uh, upbringing um, so that was the environment I believe that you know built my passion and purpose um, in a really young and early age. So a lot of people talk about, you know, entrepreneurship and, and how that's developed and whether it's you're born with it or whether you, anyone can have it. I sort of find that there's so many different, different definitions of it, but I've, I found that it was my environment that actually got me super excited and super passionate to um, succeed in just anything that I put my mind to. So, yeah, I actually vowed that I was never going to be a painter. My father was a painter and um, I used to see him come home from work being a tradie and, you know, paint on him and, and you know, working hard and whatnot and trying to do the best he could for us all and, and with mum as well and working um, AGC and she ended up working at Movie World Cash Office for 10 years. Um, so I vowed I wasn't going to be a painter and I went and studied. So I studied architecture didn't uh, really like that environment where I was just, you know, working in an office. There was no real um, platform for me to use any artistic flair. 
sort of felt like you really had to be the grey-haired army to before you could, <laughs> you know, use any artistic flair in in an in a um, office like that. So then I deferred to bachelor of business, and I did that for six months, and then I deferred again, and I haven't been back since. So, yeah, and then I started um, the painting business, and um, yeah, it's been an awesome journey up, down, sideways, roller coaster ride. Um, but you know, it's 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 definitely shaped me to the person I am today. I'm so grateful for the journey, and I I, I absolutely love it. I love what I do. I love Asha. I love how we um, operate in the community. I love how we present ourselves in the in the construction industry, and it's just really cool. So tell us a little bit about the Usher Group. Obviously, it's a unique value proposition that wasn't really um, around um, pre what you were doing in terms of um, sort of a collaborative platform. Yeah. So what we um, we were we were painters, and as we were growing through the different industries, um, you know, the construction, repaint industry, the um, small sort of light commercial, say shop fit out industries, um, you know. We just had a different approach where, where we built that brand promise where it was basically your project partner. I found that, you know, um, during our journey, it's not really that hard to do the right thing and it's not really that hard to, you know, really enjoy what you do. And for me, I really love painting as I was just mentioning before, Deb. I still paint now. Um, I really love it and... I believe it was the passion and the purpose in me that really helped me deliver an awesome product. Um, when someone loves what they do, when they're really passionate about their trade, when they can see that possibly the trade was perceived as, oh, you know, the painters, you know, sort of like chippies, builders, um, like I should have said carpenters, you know, electricians and, and plumbers. They sort of perceived as really a little bit, I don't know how to put the right wording, but they look a little bit higher than a painter. And I, I found that, you know, upsetting. So I really s- sort of embarked on trying to help professionalise our industry as much as I could and just starting from the ground up. So just all the little things about um, teaching our, our trades and our apprentices coming up through the ranks of um, putting my passion and, and, and um, you know, my beliefs and installing those you know, core values and agreed behaviours into my team really propelled us ready for the next stage, which was dealing with people and culture. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us a little bit about the people and culture side of the business. How has that, um, like obviously it was going really well and now, you know, with COVID, has that kind of um, changed the dynamics slightly or? If we didn't have those core values and agreed behaviours, which pretty much set the base for our culture we would not have navigated through COVID the way we have and I'm so proud of the team and they've all rallying behind our brand our group um, rallying behind our our people in Melbourne that are doing it real tough Um, you know I'm super impressed and I'm so grateful for those people down there they've just been absolute amazing humans and what they're dealing with and and how they're keeping you know up um, po- positive in this environment and just the collaboration between all the officers of, of, of Usher and how they're coming together to to really, um, you know, grow out of this the right way. But it, it was the culture. So, um, and I found that 
without the right culture, I would not have been able to be a business that employed the right people or, I should say, possibly attracted the right people. So we have lots of fun at Usher, probably a little bit too much. (laughs) But we're we're a big beehive of passionate people. We are, you know, anyone in our business could pretty much take their Usher badge off and they could go outside of Usher and be an like and they're a weapon in their own right. They're they're an um, an expert in their own field, in their own right. But together, building those people together and wearing that Usher brand, we're something greater than we can all be, to, you know, individually. So how it sort of really got us through those times of COVID was when we got to really fall back. You know, we all can say, oh yeah, we've got core values. They're up on the screen or in the office wall somewhere and. <laughs> yeah, we've got our agreed behaviours because we want to be ethical and transparent and, and all these other, you know, really good positive traits that we should all encourage each other to, to, um, to do and, 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 and evolve into. Um, but it's, it was those core values and agreed behaviours that really we got to fall back on in times of adversity. You know, who are we? What do we agree we're going to do? How are we going to operate in this environment, you know, with our colleagues, our peers, our, our clients, which, you know, our customers? Um, yeah, and it was, it was that base that really propelled us and, and kept the vibe high and kept everyone watching each other's back. And, you know, we've got people there that the department they work in, the, our customers, well, then they're not working either. So they don't really have a dialogue to talk to their customers. They can call them and go... How are you going? What's happening? But there's no real work to be engaged in. So a colleague seeing another colleague like that and then basically saying, hey, I know you don't have much to do. Let's repurpose our staff. Let's find um, other areas of the business where they can work. And it wasn't just about, oh, look, we're, we're just employing our people. We're not going to get rid of them. It was about still having them motivated, having them, you know, having some job satisfaction, you know, that they want to come to work. We want them to enjoy themselves at work, not wake up in the morning and go, oh, yeah, I'm going to go there. What am I going to do? I'm going to paper shuffle. Like it wasn't about that. It was actually making sure our people were still mentally happy and, you know, mentally positive. So it was those core values that really bounded everyone together. And has your culture been the same since the beginning through to now where you've got sort of 500 plus employees or have you had to sort of... No, we've definitely had to work on it along the way. There's definitely, and, and I, th- I believe it's forever evolving. Like, what is culture? You know, it's, it's more like, um, for me, it's like what we agree is the behaviour and sort of like what the group does that builds success and then people want to join those groups. So if we as humans want to be in a group, we sort of adapt to that group and what's that behaviour mean and sort of then really guides what your day-to-day, you know, looks like. And so when we do that, then we then become part of a unit. And when we do that, I find that we really succeed better. Um, and, yeah, so to answer your question, it's always evolving. And, and we're always learning. So we find ourselves in this ever-changing market where things will occur and then we'll have to discuss it and openly decide how we're going to navigate that and what's the right way. So I, I believe transparency is like a huge, massive um, core value of ours because having the, our people having the confidence to be able to say, hey, look, there's some spilt milk here or 
I don't think I handled that correctly or, you know, what do you think about this because they're not really liking how, you know, we're responding in this manner. Um, if you don't have that core value, we're never really going to be evolve our culture and, and really and really learn from the day-to-day experiences that we're up against. So I know um, we've chatted briefly in the past about um, the culture that you've kind of built in the office in terms of, um, you know, where you position people and kind of really helping draw out that, um, you know, cultivated environment and making sure that people are bouncing the right ideas off people. And so how have you positioned that? How have you gone about that? Well, I think it's, um, our focus was more on the well-being. You know, we've got core values, agreed behaviours, you know, um, you know, team building exercises, you know, camps, retreats, whatnot. But I, I found that when we really harnessed, you know, um, the power of well-being, it really then engages people to want to build on the culture. So... Like dealing with personality types, for instance, you know, yeah. different ages, different genders... Different, you know, extroverts, introverts. Oh yeah, we're how all, do you, we're all different. How do you navigate that? <laughs> yeah, it's, that's a really good question. I don't know. Do you know the answer to that? <laughs> no, but I think I no, think no. you guys so, do yeah. it well. So yeah, yeah. I, I think um, first of all is um, understanding who we all are. So understanding and not being afraid of profiling. You know, going through disc profiles or um, you know all the other different types of profiling that are out there. I think so. We, once we understand and. and it, and then we actually get people, even the introverts, to be like, hey, we already knew this, but yeah, I'm an introvert. <laughs> and, you know, we've got a couple there and sometimes, I, like, I really like, I love them in the office because they're sometimes like, yeah, I've had enough of humans for the day. I'm going to go and just get my work done. So I can really, you know, see what type of people we have and, and our people know more about each other. So when we go through that profiling and we do it together as a team, and then we have to then talk about what we think each other are as well. So then it, that, that breeds so, so much cool stuff because then, you know, so many times you have a department, like say an operations department and a sales department conflicting, you know. Do you want to be a person that, I call them the block layers, you know. Do you, are you putting a, a block between the de- and building a wall between the department or you're the person that's engaging the other side? And by understanding, you know, what they do in the business – what type of person they are, then it helps um, build respect for each other, helps build like, you know, more camaraderie and that you understand what the person does and how they operate. So then you can really engage with them the right way and you know how to engage with them. Some people, you know, sit at the keyboard and thrash out emails. Some people don't like that at all and don't respond to them. And other, you know, so there's all these different type of things, but it's, yeah, I think to answer your question, it'd be by... um, purely by understanding more about us as individuals because we're all different and we're all unique. And so how do you um, so help the sales team know what the operations team do? Do you have like training days for them or? We throw um, them in a room, close swap? the door and, and go <laughs> do, knock yourself down. Yeah, job swap. Yeah, job job swap. swap. <laughs> yeah we, we, we do encourage the collaborative environment. So um, even though there might be sales or operations or administration uh, or, or our cross services, so we'll encourage them to form little teams within themselves. So if the sales department's representing one one um, segment of our business, we'll in highly encourage them. We'll we're pretty much <laughs> throw them in a room and get together. But basically, so whoever's in the sales team and whoever's then delivering 
what they've sold, like we highly encourage that collaborative environment because that helps the old story about, you know, whether anyone in the business touches a client or customer, they're actually a salesperson. So, you know, we don't really want to just say sales and operations because every person in that business, whether they're an age receivable person, you know, or age pair was let if they're interacting with anyone out there in the community or, or, or another business that we're engaging with, we want everyone um, in our business to breathe our brand promise, which is your project partner. So that means then we need to have everyone together that's involved in that segment. So say for scenario's sake, if it's the light commercial division, well, whoever's um, you know, in that sales department will engage with the operations department and also the administration department together. So I was reading your profile on your website, Theo. Yeah. <laughs> and it talked about your, the nightmare zone. Oh, yeah. Tell us about, a little bit about that. Okay. so Your nightmare zone. Well, I find that when you're growing a business and you're you know, highly passionate and you've got your purpose and you've got your product, but you're, you're wearing all these caps, you know, and as a business owner, you, you're trying to do everything, you know, and that's where we find a lot of like um, companies, owners, like in burnout. And, you know, my wife used to call me like dark. I used to go, leave it dark and go get home at dark. And I was just, I wasn't coping and I, and I found myself stagnant because I couldn't grow the business. What I realized was that I needed to attract the right people and needed to get the right people doing the right jobs. So that nightmare zone, I find it just, sometimes I, pin it to a turnover value, but it could be 1 million or 5 million. It could be any turnover value. It's just at that point where you're in the business and you're doing all the roles. And the only way to step out of that role is actually trusting people. And to do that, you've got to set the right culture up. So then I embarked for those next, say, five years of my journey into people, culture, and brand. Those three things there built me a really, really strong brand. I needed to have the right culture, which attracted the right people. And, you know, we all have systems and processes. You know, they really just guide our people, you know. They just give our people some rule sets to, to, work, to um, work, work with um, in an organisation. It's the culture and the people that really grow the brand. The, 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 the people represent our brand and then they fall back on our culture, which is how to deliver that brand story. So the only way to get out of that nightmare zone, which was really tough for me because I was nervous about, you know, if someone makes a mistake, can I afford it? You know, you need people to go through that learning experience um, to grow in your organisation. And I didn't know if I could afford anyone to make a mistake. You know, we want to capitalise on opportunity and mitigate risk. But how do you do that? without putting trust and empowering people. So that was probably really tough for me. I don't want to say I'm a micromanager, but <laughs> I, I, it was just really tough for me. And, um, and yeah, I, I grew out of that. And, you know, I, I had the right mentors at the time and, and always bouncing off experts in the field. And I was told a fair few times that, you know, to, to get the right people in for the right job. And, and as soon as I did that, then they grew our business. They helped me grow on my systems and processes. They helped me develop them to an industry standard. They helped me, you know, you can go through that whole thing about, oh, you grow a business and it grows so fast 
you got to come back, build the systems and processes for it because I didn't build them, you know, before I grew. We grew and then had to come back a few notches and then build them and build a, a solid base. So, yeah, the nightmare zone is tough and I, I really feel for any young business owners or old business, it doesn't matter what age you are, anyone that's going through that stage in their life right now, um, reach out, get some help because, um, yeah, you're not going to get out of it um, um, thinking that you're going to do it all yourself. And it can, can be quite challenging for family businesses in particular, can't it? Because you've got the family dynamics, mm. you're wanting to grow, so that can be quite challenging in itself. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yep, mum was um, our first um, office employee when she'd um, finished up at Moville. She came over and, and um, worked in our office and helped me... Um, organized myself in my administration <laughs> at that time i was actually living in um um in my factory i had a factory out at southport and out my humble beginnings there was i actually yeah slept on a mattress on my half pipe um in the in the factory and um mum would come to the office and um yeah it was, it was super cool i really enjoy those days and and how they brought me to where i am today I think it just puts it in perspective too like when you do work so hard to build something of your own and you do have to put in that sort of blood sweat and tears it actually sort of does help um, cement that it definitely get, get, gives me a lot of perspective of you know how grateful I am and and live in the moment we all have ups and down up, up and down days but enjoy them for what they are um, we've got a, a, um, a saying that we say at Usher it's um, you know, the spilt milk, it's not about, um, you know, people say, oh, then that's your learning. We call it all experiences. We need those experiences in our work life, in our home life to make us better at what we do, help us be better versions of ourselves and, and have fun while we're doing it because we can see through those experiences, you know, how that occurred and how it shouldn't happen again. So you sort of briefly touched on before having mentors. So obviously as a CEO and a founder, it can be a lonely place at the top. Um, how do you stay motivated and energised for your team? And how do you um, kind of, I guess, level up yourself and mm-hmm. a- attract the right people around you to help you do your job yeah, as opposed to the business? Yeah. Um, how, how do I motivate myself? I, I find that... Um I'm just a really highly motivated person. I, I think it just comes back to like loving what you do. I, I really do love what we do and, and, and I love the Usher group and, you know, coming home to my two amazing children and my wife, I, I, I'm really got a lot of gratitude and, 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 and I, I find that I'm, I'm a really highly energetic person. But it's managing that energy too because there's lots of people that drain it. There's lots of people that expect me to give them that, that added energy when I come to the office, sometimes they want to see me because whatever they're going through at home or whatever, and they want to feed off my energy. So I, I typically always want to try and ensure that I'm managing my energy correctly and knowing that I'm ready to serve my people and, and give them the energy that's required. Um, and in the same you know, sentence, I don't want to deplete myself because then I'm not helping my people and I'm not doing the right thing. I'm not fulfilling my role at Asha if I'm depleting myself. Um, with what you're saying there about leadership, I found, I just read this book um, by Peter Cox and we've just engaged him. I, 
he's heard me say this, it's the first chapter is being led. I felt um, that term was a little bit odd for me because, you know, I'm a bloke and in the construction industry and very passionate and whatever you want to call it, entrepreneurial and, oh, I'm not led, I'm, I'm out there charging, charging away. And, and um, but I read the chapter and, and I had to contact him straight after it. I was like, wow, like I've realized that I've actually been led my whole life, whether that's at work, in my, my sports that I love, whether it's my home life, whether it's, you know, growing my children, being led. I used to call it being mentored or having mentors or having experts that help me with whatever challenging task I was facing at that time, whether in my career or, or, or at home or, or anything that I'm up against. But the fact is, is that we are all led, like we all lean on our friends, our family, we lean on experts out there in the industry, um, we, we lean on professional people to help us and guide us and I feel, like you said, that um, showing that to our people and having our people understand that to look for external people outside of Usher for mentorship, um, look for someone that you can collaborate with that's going through something that they're going through that's possibly out there in the industry that's in a different organization however going through the same you know struggles or tasks that we're going through and um so now like i was saying we're just engaged a a new leadership program so we want to bring our whole um executive leadership team up to that next level so you know we all can't grow unless everyone's growing together so it's a new platform. I'm really excited about it and um, I'm going to undertake it as well. And, and I believe that we never stop learning. So when you encourage that type of um, culture, I, I believe it uplifts our people because they know that they're an environment that they're going to grow, that an environment that they're going to constantly learn and be challenged and an environment where they get to actually have a voice too because through any type of leadership um, platform, we're actually going to, you know, um, have feedback. It's a, it's, a, it's a complete feedback loop. We're going to see what they're struggling with. We're going to understand what they're actually going through. So I'm super excited about it and, and I 100% encourage all businesses to, it's investing in, in, in your team. During um, that COVID, um, our last um, executive team meeting was when I announced that, you know, we're going to heavily invest in our people because I want to come out of this the right way and I want to, you know, so we put it forward and obviously got approved because (laughs) um, it was such an amazing platform to be embarking on. But I I felt like it's exactly the right thing to do, um, which is really going to propel Usher to where, you know, in in line with our strategic plan. Um, Pre-COVID, we had a strategic growth plan. We tried tried to stay as true to it during COVID, but now we need to come out of there you know, ready to rock and roll. So um, you've got a foundation, Usher yeah. Love. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about that. So we've been supporting community, you know, initiatives and little, you know, sporting teams and um, sponsoring people and, you know, um, helping charities, whether it's through services or, you know, work and, and community-based um, volunteer platforms like the Marine Rescue Service and all these different types of platforms that and people that we support and charities but we found it got so crazy over the years that um 
no one actually knew what we did. Like, I mean, internally, our own staff didn't even know the level of support that we actually um, do out there in the community and, and all the charities that we actually support. So it's, we just, we had to rein, not rein it in, but we had to rein it in, in into one platform. So then that's why we created Usher Love. So now we can actually clearly see and report on what we actually do out there and report back to our own people. And, you know, it's, um, we typically um, don't go out there and wave, you know, the, the big flag out there to the world. However, I think it's really important um, for our people and our culture that our team knows the level of support that what the Asha Group actually does. And it's grown so much now. We actually um, invest a lot of money into the Asha Love platform. I can't tell you yet, but <laughs> um, there's a couple of really cool initiatives that are about to be launched and um, we're super excited about it. And, you know, one of the really cool um, platforms that we have that was spawned through the Usher Love platform is called Usher Care. And it's based off 12 pillars. October's pillar is the month of um, kindness. So we have um, a person that comes out there and presents um, the each new pillar to the Usher team. So we have a family barbecue and we present the, the new pillar and what that means and, and what, what, what that emotion or, or what, you know, what, what that pillar um, does do for humans when we're, when we're doing that act of kindness to someone. So, and what it would cure, you know, um, you know, we're all going through different things in life. The construction industry has one of the highest tolls of many different things like mental illness and lots of different things out there. Um, that are really, you know, impacting the industry in a negative way. So those 12 pillars has been such a huge thing in Asha that I'm so proud of. And now, like, think about it today. We have all of October had potentially however many staff out there doing random acts of kindness and the challenge was that we wanted them to do a random act of kindness, one per day, if they could, to someone that they didn't know. So we have this little nucleus here at Usher, and we, we're we really proud of it that um, we've been having nominations from our team, and, and basically we don't know who we're gonna, who's going to win it because there's all these amazing nominations of people dobbing in their colleagues, of everyone watching each other doing these random acts of kindness, out there in the community. So it's super cool and we're, um, we're about to launch something as well that I'm a part of that we're going to try and launch these 12 pillars on a global stage. So look out for that. That's something that I'm super excited about. Um, yeah, I think it's been so huge. that and, and what it does for our culture is amazing. Our, our people all rally behind the Asha Love platform and... Um, always putting their hand up about something they've heard out there in the community that, that we could possibly help with or, you know, if someone's uh, uh, um, a small charity that's struggling. or So that doesn't mean just, just going and giving them donations. It's actually helping them create awareness and, and helping them be activated with the construction industry, which is then propelling them to, you know, where they need to be. It's been quite a bit of research in terms of people that do random acts of kindness and the, the dopamine hits that they get. They get so much pleasure out of yeah. d- just giving. Yeah, and, and like seriously, 
you don't, you, you don't know what, what it does to someone. That random act of kindness might have given someone confidence to then talk to someone because someone actually came out of their way and, and gave them an act of kindness. It might have, they mean have been uh, an introvert that struggled with, you know, confrontation or, or, you know, there's all these different things out there that love, happiness, kindness, you know, gratitude. When you show these um, acts in physical form, what it actually does to a human, it's like you're saying, there's, there's chemical research, like, that proves that those type of random acts actually help people inside. And we, we won't actually truly know what it, what it has actually helped them with, but you will see that they would have dealt with something inside, and it's an amazing thing. And so hopefully they pay it forward to someone else. 100%. That's what we encourage, yeah. So I think that's about all we have time for today, Theo. But before oh. we wrap up, there's sort of um, is there top three things that you would – um, share with other businesses out there that um, to help them kind of, if they're stuck in a rut or anything like that at the moment, what's the sort of top three things that you would tell them to focus on right now to sort of push forward? Um, I think if they're stuck in a rut, I think, you know, coming back to those just basic levels and, and understanding what's your purpose, I believe if you got your purpose clear and, you know, you find your passion in that purpose, then you're going to deliver an awesome product. You know, those three things there for me was really, really clear in my journey that I was highly passionate and I had a purpose, which helped me deliver an awesome product. And then the next three is obviously people, culture and brand. You know, so I think once your purpose is clear and and you understand truly what you're focusing on and you're really clear about that, then you can really find your path, really ignites you again. Sometimes we get a bit grey, like we, we find ourselves in a, in a, you know, what am I really doing? What, what, what's my real purpose? What, what am I selling? Or what's my service? Or what, what problem am I solving? You know, I think we've got to be really clear about what, what's my purpose? What, what's my goal here? What's my aim? I think if we can find and really define that, then we can be really clear with our people. We can be really clear about our strategic direction and then we can really be clear about what results we want to we want to achieve. So sometimes it's just coming back to those core basics, yeah. purpose and passion. Fantastic! Thank you very much. No worries. Cheers. That's all for today. Until next time, happy podcasting. And remember, if you're enjoying the show, check out our other episodes and all things governance at www.threewiseowls.com.au.